Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Ah, yes. Dara here. I'm full of donuts. Watch out, world. They're not any kind of donuts. They're Jonathan just looking at me. That He thinks... Where did the acapella uh, avant-garde come from? I don't know. That's our new opener. We got we to gotta, we gotta roll with the punches in this world of ours, and that's what we're doing. I hope you're rolling with the punches wherever you are. What you doing? You're cleaning up the garden or the weeds getting out of control? Or is that just my life? That's where things are going. I got a tomato patch that is bonkers out of control. If it would just be the exact right temperature... I got like a Goldilocks zone right in there. When I also have free time, I would trim that. But I don't know. Maybe we're just going to have 2019, the year the tomato patch got out of control. No one did anything about it. But, you know, you got to pick your battles. Today my battle is eating delicious donuts and talking to you. All right, so who is here today? Kieran, Kieran Foyard. He's one of the absolute pillars of the Twin Cities food scene. You've been to the local you live in the Twin Cities. Sure, you've been to the local. He founded that. He, I love that place. It's beautiful. He left. He founded Two Gingers Whiskey. He then went on and founded, I think, the most interesting thing in the Minneapolis food scene, the food building in Northeast, home of Red Table. They make beautiful, beautiful salami, beautiful ham. We've had Mike Phillips from there on the show. It should be the pride of all Minneapolis, but we're not proud enough, I don't think. Also in the food building, uh, just moved there, Alamar Cheese. So this was in Mankato for a long time. Should we talk about cheese? Yeah, we should always talk about cheese. Cheese is the best. Okay, so the Bloomy Rhine cheeses, you know them as Brie. You know them as Camembert. Those are the French names. But our American name is terrible, which is called the Bloomy Rhine soft cheeses. You know what I mean. They're kind of white on the outside and creamy on the inside. Um, and so that just moved from Mankato up to the Twin Cities to be part of the food building. Third favorite bakery, uh, Bakersfield. So this is Steve Horton, who founded Rustica. At Rustica, he you know raised the bar locally, great pastries. But then he thought, why am I not milling flour? That would be a better way to do everything. So he started over from scratch with Bakersfield. These three building these three businesses these three artisanal food makers should be the pride of minnesota they're all in northeast minneapolis at the food building and kieran just decided you know what we need a better way to showcase this we need a better way to get across how amazing this is because people are not quite getting it last night last night opened kieran's kitchen it's a restaurant kind of bringing together all of these amazing minnesota made products and I was here to talk about it. All right, Kieran, welcome to the show. 
Good morning, Dara. You got an hour of sleep, huh? <laughs> Something close to that. But I loved your introduction when I met you and asked you to this morning and asked you how things were going. And you talked about things being thrown at you and jellyfish and I don't know, whatever. And you're juggling all of them. Uh, I think I'm in the same circus. <laughs> all right. So to, to explain to the listeners out there, Karen was asking me how it was. And I said, since I had kids, I feel like every day is just a juggle. I Somebody, you know, you start off, you just got three oranges, everything's going fine. And then somebody throws you a loaf of bread and then you work that in. All of a sudden somebody throws you a chicken. You're like, oh, this is a little much. And then it's just everything. It throws you a a jar of olives and a waterfall and a chainsaw. You just got to keep making it work. And that's living as an American parent in the year 2019. You got so much you got to do. You got to get people to basketball practice. You got to... Uh, file deadlines. You got to make room to talk to John Luisiamo on Thursday at noon. That's what I did this week. So, I mean, just everything is just like ba-bonk, ba-bonk, ba-bonk. But then at the end of a difficult day, there must be sustenance. You must refuel, right? And so let's talk about a couple of things. First off, let's just talk about what's happening right now in Northeast Kieran's Kitchen. You opened it last night. What is it, my friend? We opened it actually yesterday morning, 7 a.m. And so Kieran's Kitchen Northeast is an all-day cafe, market, and bar. Its mission in life, very simple, crystal clear, it is to drive a passion for craft artisan foods, specifically the ones that you just mentioned that are housed within food building. Okay, so market, I can come in and buy stuff. You can Come in and you can get a half a pound of uh, ham. You can pick up a chub, uh, a salami. Uh, you can get some uh, uh, cheese. You can get, eventually you'll be able to get milk and uh, oh. six eggs and some basic provisions for people that live right there in the neighborhood or that come from afar as well. So that's why I've been eating donuts this morning because of the market part of things. Steve Horton is making Donuts, which are delicious. I have this one kind of stuff with a little custard, a little lemon custard. Delicioso. Uh, so he's doing donuts, things like that. And I'll, you know, want to have people over on a Friday. I can come and get all of the fancy cheeses and hams and get them on a plate. That's a thing that can happen. That is a thing that can happen. Yes, Steve will be actually making the donuts fresh every morning from flour that has been freshly milled in the mill within Bakersfield. All right, so it's grown in Minnesota. The flour, I think that we don't appreciate flour enough. We are Mill City. We are founded on flour, and then we take it for granted or something. We just think it's a, an anonymous commodity. But freshly milled flour Stone is milled. delicious. Stone milled. Stone milled It flour. changes everything. It does change everything, and it is uh, organic grain from Minnesota. There is one farm that Steve partners with in North Dakota, uh, but outside of that, they're stone milling. You know, quite a few of the high-end restaurants in town, good customers of ours, buy the flour because they've got bakers and pastry chefs, etc. You can also buy it at the co-ops. The co-ops have been fantastic supporters of ours uh, as well, of food building, and uh, as has um, uh, our good friends at uh, like Cerdix and France 44 as well. And, uh, you know, the breads are available at uh, Kowalski's also uh, good supporters and you know both I buy lungs, the, yeah. the rye bread I get that at the co-ops or Kowalski's it mm. is a life changer it is so mm. moist the flavor is so big mm. all right pro tip people the rye toast you buy a loaf of bread it's you know three dollars or whatever four dollars you slice a 
a chunk, a little nice thick slice, you put it in your toaster, then you put some butter and salt on that. It is a meal for a king. That is the best <laughs> thing. Oh, that Bakersfield rye. It's so good. Yeah, it is fantastic. Uh, and yeah, and Steve and the whole crew that he's got working with him uh, are really so passionate. I mean, it's inspiring, um, not alone, obviously, in Bakersfield, but also in Red Table. It's inspiring uh, to see the work that is done. And it's not easy work. So it's not. All of this is quite difficult uh, to do and to do it at the the level that they're doing it at. And then that's why we've made machines do it for us. And that's why we don't pay attention anymore, because it is hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard work. It's important work. It is. And and there's a great opportunity if one comes to Kieran's Kitchen uh, to... Okay, so there's the the products and buy them. And then there's the cafe. And that's the thing that just opened last night. All the meals, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Let's go through some of this. So you'll be able to come in, and this is, the idea behind this is you get a sandwich, but it's not just any kind of ham sandwich. It's a sandwich that comes from the products that are made in the building. Yeah, if you look at the Italian sandwich there, that was probably the, the, the big hit from the sandwich selection uh, yesterday, utilizing all the products in the building. And so... They've got the red table mortadella on there. That stuff is glorious. It is so just creamy and light and full flavored. Oh, it's a treat. And then they've got the royal ham, bunch of stuff. So the idea is, and then at dinner time, not just sandwiches, also pastas. The pastas, uh, Ian Gray, who's the executive chef, and uh, Ian has been a great uh, friend of ours and partner of ours, everybody at Food Building, when he had the Curious Goat food truck and he also had the Gray House uh, up there at Lynn Lake and utilizing Red Table and Bakersfield and even when we had the Lone Grazer uh, buying our products, supporting us. And now he's the executive chef and his level of creativity, but it, it comes really from his knowledge and understanding of the products that uh, that are made in the building. His relationship with uh, Mike and Steve and, and, and now, of course, as well with Craig from Alamar Cheese, their relationship and how they talk about the products. He's also got great support from Zach Dumphy, who is the general manager and the culinary director as well, who also, he came from Texas uh, for a job opportunity for his wife here, but he was utilizing or, or using our products in Texas, in Dallas, at commissary. And so all of the people we've attached to have people that recognize and appreciate and have a great understanding of what's being produced in the building. And there is a respect uh, and an admiration that's shared by all of the makers with, uh, with Ian and Zach as well. Yeah, and so this is sort of a, the bigger picture thing that I wanted to talk to you about. So you've got these great producers in the food building, but kind of a frustrating thing that's happened over the last couple of years is that I see these products, the Alamar cheese, which is so creamy and so delicious, uh, and the Red Table meats, you know, especially those are the ones that travel. And you see them on these wonderful menus in Chicago, you know, just top-level restaurants, publican comes to mind. Uh, you see them in on menus in, up and down California coast because people taste them and they're like, oh, this is world-class. This is better than what we can get from Italy. This is better than anything we can get in California. And yet here in town, there's just a little bit of a feeling of like, well, that's just another person making ham. It's not just another person making ham. <laughs> like, so we, I feel like... Uh, one of the things that we have to do as a community is like figure out how to celebrate some of these things without being 
weirdly jealous and competitive because that's something I see in the restaurant scene. Because people are like, well, he, you know, they made more jealous, so I can make it. Like you can, you can, but you're not going to make it as good. And why aren't you rooting for the company that's making it like better than anybody? And then also, as a city. You know, you go to – I'm going to get the Lottie da thing. But you go to Italy and everybody will just gather around you and say, these are the products of our village. Like these are the best products in the world. You must agree and sample and try these products. And then in Minneapolis, everyone's just like, well, I don't know. I don't know, what's, I don't know what's going on. We should – you know, we need to really rally around the things that we're doing here that are amazing world-class things. Well, I'm delighted that you obviously said that. I'm probably going to just record it afterwards <laughs> and I'm going to just keep playing it internally. I I do have to say, though, the, the people who have been terrifically supportive of us here in this market, we're very appreciative of. And I know certainly that Mike, Steve and Craig are also very appreciative uh, of the support that we get from some of the some of the terrific restaurants in town and certainly from the co-ops and Sardix and, and France 44, etc. But, uh, but I think you're absolutely right from a consumer standpoint and from a drive of how they, these products are looked at. Uh, are they truly seeing beyond just this is a name, this is a person uh, that's involved in this business and seeing the incredible work that the farmers that we work with, we partner with. These farmers are the ones that really drive from the very beginning, that really drive the the efforts that these guys are doing because somebody has to take care of the soil. Somebody has to raise uh, the animals and grow the the ingredients that that the guys are utilizing in these products. And so it's that partnership. If people could really get – and there's a great sense of that with farmers' markets and different things. But when it comes to the end product – and having that level of pride in it, I think there would be uh, there's a good opportunity for us here. Something about never being the prophet in your own land type of thing. But you know, I, I think we're getting there, and that's really the idea behind Garen's Kitchen is to shine a light on it, and also to tell them where these to tell our, our our customers where these products can be found out in the marketplace, and to support these people out in the marketplace as well, because they're supporting us, and we in turn are supporting certainly the farmers and the community that we're involved in. Yeah, so many farmers that I talk to are so frustrated with the system that we have now where, you know, you can put your heart and soul and and just raise a terrific, outstanding, best product in the world, and then people try to give you a commodity price and just throw it into a bin with everything that's kind of terribly produced and have this great equalization so that uh, your wonderful product. And, And if we want to get if we want to subvert the system, if we want to have a system that rewards quality and integrity, we got to get out there and support it. Well, I had a conversation with somebody the other night because I was up uh, – well, last Friday I was up at the Minnesota Brewers um, Guild, their uh, annual conference or meeting up in Duluth. And uh, we were chatting about the, the incredible things that are happening in the uh, in the brewing and distilling world here in Minnesota. I mean, it is fantastic. Uh, and I was talking about people will go in and they pay $7 for a pint of beer. Fantastic. Great beer, all of that good stuff. And we get pushback on people paying six bucks for a seeded loaf of bread 
from Bakersfield flour and bread, from stone milled organic grain from Minnesota, naturally leavened, and the craft and the handwork that goes into that producing that loaf and the incredible nutrient value that's there, the flavor profile of it. It's fantastic. So it is. And it's six bucks. But people pay seven bucks for a pint, but will push back on it because there is a commodity piece out there. That's the piece where I think the appreciation and so forth and the relative value to this um, is something that, again, we want to talk about. We want to promote. We want to put the products into people's mouths and uh, have them taste the difference. Yeah, if I could wave my magic wand and have one thing in in the culture change, it would be – that everybody would kind of see on a label the cost of the that's a fancy word externalities, like the cost of, you know, you're you're strip mining your farm, basically you're destroying the soil, you're using every petrochemical in the world, and then you end up with cheap flour, which ends up with cheap bread. I would want a package that in the end of the the you know that says on the cheap bread like, oh, this bread only costs three bucks, but you're going to end up paying, you know. Sixty-seven dollars in taxes to restore this land at some point because we have destroyed it. You know, like I like if I could wave my magic wand, those kind of externalities. You know, oh well, this bacon might be cheap as can be, but it's a you know it's created this manure lagoon in North Carolina, and the next time there's a hurricane, the federal government is going to have to spend two hundred million dollars to rescue this community because the manure lagoon is flooded. Like I, that's what uh, we we're. All of our food products that are cheap always have those externalities somewhere. The the land has been strip mined. The pollution is piling up. Something bad is happening. And that's the only way you get dead cheap food. All right. We're going to take a little break here. We've got to take, take a little break. And then when we come back, I'm going to finish talking to you about all these things. Um, everybody, if you want to you know, push back at me on my – uh, my anger about cheap food, 651-989-9226. That's the text line. All right, Dara here. We're back. All kinds of excitement happening in this building. I hear that Al Franken is here, and there's a tizzy. I've got to break away, see if he wants a donut. Um, maybe he does. This is a stressful life. Uh, okay, so we all need a donut. It's a stressful universe that we live in today. Um, so we were just saying off the mic that you think I, I'm being too hard on people not supporting you enough, but I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I think that, uh, you know, I just don't see – I don't – feel like people are really zeroing in on the differentiation between Red Table, which is such a great product, and, you know, generic prosciutto in the grocery store that has a, a, you know, plastic pack, but it's from Italy. Like, I don't think people, I think you need to look around. From Italy is not the guarantee of quality it once was. Uh, And the Red Table stuff is so much better. Okay, so let's, uh, let's talk about this. So you're going to be you're an event venue. You've already had weddings. Like this is ideally when now fancy food editors fly in from Los Angeles. I'm going to take them to Kieran's Kitchen and they can see the bounty that is real Minnesota. Well, that is the uh, that is the hope because certainly people who come and if they have a couple of extra minutes, they can wander through a food building and they can see the engine that this incredible engine that's right behind Kieran's Kitchen and everything that Ian and Zach and the whole team are actually creating and they're shining the light on it. They're talking about it. Mike Phillips stood behind the counter at Kieran's Kitchen last night with his 
phenomenal slicing machine, and he sliced away all the different products and talked about it to people, educated our own staff on it. And that's one of the things that we're really working the employees from Kieran's Kitchen and have them stodge in the, in the various uh, um, production facilities and give the opportunity for people that might want extra hours that are working in Red Table or Bakersfield or Alamar to work in the kitchen as tell, well. Tell me this again, the staging. You're, you're, so well, that, that's like chefs come and they kind of shadow or train. They learn things that are different. That's how you build skills when you're in a kitchen. Right. And so you're going to be allowing chefs from you know around the country to come stodge? No, no, this would be uh, our own. Well, I, I'm sure Mike and Steve would allow because, yes, they have worked with people from outside of our business. But we're talking about the employees that work within the building, within oh. food building, within Kieran's Kitchen, that they get the opportunity to really get into the production side of it if they're inclined and also the people on the production side if they want to work in the kitchen as well, pick up some extra hours, etc., to really get to understand the products uh, and obviously be able to talk about it. Yeah, because that's one of the problems that we do have in America is a certain illiteracy when it comes to food. I mean, people uh, somewhat – I run into this all the time, people that had really have never cooked for themselves. And then uh, behind that is that you maybe don't understand the ingredients that you're using. You don't understand – uh, where vegetable oil comes from. You know, you just think, oh, there must be some oily vegetable. Like, no, it's a, <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, pre- there is an oily vegetable. It's an olive. That's where olive oil comes from. But you, know, you just smoosh it and then the oil comes out. But for corn oil and stuff like that, you got to go through this whole complicated petrochemical process. And, and people don't know. There's just this basic illiteracy. Uh, and so, you know, hopefully this will be a way for people to come and, and be proud, be proud of what we can do here because we are the breadbasket of this country. But you, it all just kind of was getting thrown into a hodgepodge with everything from everywhere. And But now you can taste real Minnesota flour milled and served just there in a donut at Bakersfield. You can taste real Minnesota pork, best pork-producing you know, land in the country, uh, treated well, aged beautifully, right at Red Table. And so I, I hope that this becomes a real focus point for, for Minnesota Pride. Well, I hope so too. And certainly if you're ever uh, open to it, Dara, I would like to open our equivalent of Hyde Park Corner uh, <laughs> over at Food Building out on our lawn and uh, every Sunday morning have you deliver your sermon from the mount. <laughs> oh, well, I would like to. I don't know if people want to be lectured. Well, maybe they'll like to be lectured if they're eating. And so some of the stuff, I'm going to do some recipes later of using different bloomy rind cheeses because I think your point about... You know, the worst thing that you can kind of do to a restaurant or a food producer is visit them once a year on Christmas. You can't just support a restaurant at Christmas or you're not going to have it. It can't it can't live on that once a year burst of support. So we've got to figure out how to, you know, make these amazing products part of everyday life. And that is, again, one of our uh, our jobs at uh, Kieran's Kitchen, uh, along with the incredible support that we do get from some key chefs. And uh, again, I'm not going to name any because then I'll leave somebody out. And so, But we are very humble and very grateful for the support that we do get in the community. And I'm really talking about the consumers, the customers, the people that want to support us and support the products when they come in because we want to talk to them about where they can 
can get Bakersfield out in the marketplace, Red Table and Alamar out in the marketplace, in our marketplace, be it retail or restaurants, because that is, we're just there uh, to, I suppose, <laughs> get the gospel, get the mission uh, of our business out, introduce people to it, uh, show people how they can use some of these products just in everyday meals that they're having. That in Duya that, uh, that, that Mike and his team are producing, put that in with some eggs in so the morning. people may not know, this. Oh, yeah. that's kind of a softer sausage, uh, yeah. a, kind of a... A spreadable sausage, and you can spicy. do spicy, and you can do so much with it. You can put a little bit on bread, and then uh, put some cheese on it, and that's a toasty. That's that is a heavy, <laughs> that's a good <laughs> whatever, thing. Whatever your heaven is, <laughs> <laughs> or you can you know just use it in a sandwich. But th- that's kind of you know trying to. I would love, and this is probably a fantasy that's not achievable, but I would just love if Minnesota would get the reputation that Northern Italy has, you know, of just. Having these products that are, you know, that define the global foodscape as the best of the best. Oh, Dara, 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 <laughs> Dara, Dara. Yeah, going to. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is. Um, I mean, heartfelt. I mean, that's really supportive and. Uh, meaningful to all of the people that work at food building and certainly now with Giran's Kitchen uh, to be able to shine that light on it by having people like yourself that are out in the market and supporting us and uh, that is um, yeah, yeah, we d- that's, we d- that's what helps us that's the <laughs> part of the encouragement that helps us to keep going yeah, we do what we can at Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine, but it's, uh, you know, there's something about the news cycle that always wants something new. And so people get tired of hearing about it. But then that's partly why I'm happy that you have this new restaurant that opened yesterday. It gives me some news to report yeah. on. But uh, then I, I want to do all the things. I want to come get some of these sandwiches and take them on a boat and have a relaxing Saturday afternoon. That sounds like a fun day. Then I want to. <laughs> We're right beside the Mississippi, so <laughs> yeah, you could go down away. to Boom Island. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I think we're running out of time here. So, yeah. Kieran Foyard, legend. Thanks for coming in. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dara. Appreciate it, and uh, thanks to all of your uh, listeners for listening. And um, we look forward to uh, keep uh, fighting the good fight and producing uh, great products at Food Building and serving them at Kieran's Kitchen. Oh, I got a question on the text line. I guess I neglected this one. Where are you? You're up by the old historic Grain Belt Brewery in Northeast, right? We are, yes, right at the corner of 14th and Marshall Street in Northeast Minneapolis, a changing place. And uh, also, of course, we do have the Pollinator Friendly Society event coming up on August 25th, which will be a fantastic uh, day out. We have beehives on the roof. We have Skinny Jake's fat honey on the roof (laughs) that we use in some of the breads uh, and obviously also in the kitchen now. So that'll be a great day for people uh, to experience the place and have some great music with John Munson and Lucy Michelle. So the Pollinator Friendly Society will be on our website, kieranskitchen.com. Yeah, and everybody, if you're, you know, it's going to be, they're going to be there. Make it part of your life. Go by there sometime between now and Christmas. Get your sandwiches. Get get in the groove. I, I now feel sad that I don't live in Northeast because I want to drop by for milk and six six eggs and some homemade donuts. It seems like a good life. So. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Karen. Right, Thanks thank for coming you. in. We're going to come back. Thank I'm going to give you some recipes with these soft cheeses. Dara here. All right. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about pride in cheese. Should you be proud of cheese, Minnesota? Yeah, I think you should. Just not leave this to Wisconsin. We're not seeding the ground. 
love Wisconsin. They have fantastic cheese, fantastic cheese makers. But we too, we too in Minnesota have good cheese. We we have we're particularly strong in the in the more labor intensive, more elite cheeses. We're not the bulk cheese capital. What we do really well are these soft cheeses. Uh, things like Alamar, which makes a camembert-style cheese, and then places like Redheaded Creamery that make these soft cheeses. And you may say, why? Why would we be possibly a, a soft cheese capital? I think, honestly, it's just it's just it takes a lot of work, and it takes a certain amount of connoisseurship to appreciate them. And luckily, there's people around here that do appreciate that. So if you didn't follow this big news, here's what's been going on. Alamar was founded in Mankato about 10 years ago. And they make all of these soft, what are called bloomy rind cheeses. You know, they're kind of whitish on the outside. In France, they just call them after the town or region they come from. So Brie is a region and Camembert is a place, you know. But here, we don't do that. We have to come up with something else. All right, so Alamar um, made their name making these Camembert style. And so what is the difference between camembert and brie, it's pretty simple. So they're both made with cow's milk, right? So it's not a mix of other milks. It's not sheep or goats or anything. It's just cows, cow's milk. But the camembert is exclusively whole milk. That's all it's made with, and it's usually about five-inch round. Uh, brie can be bigger. That's the that's the big difference here. So it's just the tradition in brie to make things bigger, and they can use cream as well. So you can take your whole cow's milk and then add cream. And when you see something like triple cream, uh, that means that they take three times more cream than they usually use. So it's not, um, it's not, that's all it means. It's not, it's, it always sounds like a bit more dramatic. Like if you put a third spoon of coffee in your, or a third spoon of sugar in your coffee, it would be triple sugar coffee. Anyway, that's what triple cream brie is. And brie is just bigger. That's the only difference. All right, so Alamar uh, founded, got national recognition really fast, one of the best soft cheeses in America because it's delicious. And they kind of plugged along in Mankato for a while. Um, and then they decided to re- relocate in July. They came up here to the food building. Um, they want, you know, bigger distribution, um, ease of doing stuff. Uh, and that's what they're doing. So they're here now. How are we going to use these products, though? How are we going us Minnesotans are going to support our amazing cheesemakers and make and make food with what they have. Like, yeah, you can buy a wheel and put it on a cheese board, but what do you do? You know, if you got little odds and ends left over, little scraps of that, you got, you got to do something with them. You can't just eat them later. That's crazy. That's crazy talk. All right, so here's what I've got. All right, so I got a bunch of recipes. They're all up at wccoradio.com of different ways to use bloomy rind soft cheeses. All right, so here, this is a really good one. Do you know that you can just kind of cut the edges off of a wheel of camembert? You can eat those. They're delicious. You should eat them. But then you just use the whole inside, and you can make the most luscious pasta. It's got a recipe up for it. It's a camembert mushroom pasta. It's just so indulgent. If you like... You know, good, um, you know, spaghetti Alfredo kind of thing. You're just going to die of happiness. So a creamy camembert, you're taking the whole inside, 
and you're smelting it over pasta. Oh, lordy, that's good. All right, so here's one that you can use up all your little bits and scraps of your cheese board. Ina Gartens. I love Ina. She's the greatest. Camembert and prosciutto tartines. So tartine, that's just a fancy word for toast. Taking a slice of bread, putting some things on top of it, melting it. Uh, Ina Garten goes on and on about the, uh, the Poilon bread, which is this famous bakery in Paris, and you're supposed to use these. Well, you can use Bakersfield uh, rye bread for this as well. It's got that same you know dense crumb and that richness to it. Or you can use a you know whatever real like amazing world class bakeries by your house. <laughs> use that. Okay, so those are up at wtcoradio.com. I've got a recipe for a brie, an apple tart, and you can use camembert inter- interchangeably. This is all to use these, these uh, Alamar cheeses, which I think we need to be more proud of. So all you're doing here is unrolling a sheet of puff pastry and putting all the little odds and ends that you have left over from your cheese board with some apple slices. It's just a lovely little kickoff to a meal. All right, so this is one I'm pretty excited about. Grilled radicchio. You know what radicchio is, right? It's that bitter bright red cabbagey little dude. Anyway, so you take one of these heads of radicchio, you quarter it, rub oil on the outside, put it on your grill, get it nice and charred. Then when it comes off, put a little soft cheese on there. Let that melt in. You know, that's living large. That's some good that's a good life in your backyard. All right, so now I've got one of my absolute famous sandwiches. One of my famous sandwiches, and when I say famous, I mean it's just famous in my life. I think back at it, and I think, oh, those were such good sandwiches. That's famous to me in my life as a sandwich. Okay, so roasted red peppers. Got your red bell peppers. Roast them. Marinate them. And then you're going to just put them on a nice crusty baguette with some brie or camembert and melt it. That, my friends, is delectable. That is an, a just fantastic sandwich. Uh, Food and Wine oh, magazine has a variation of this where they put grilled steak in there. You can do that. You could also use uh, roast beef, just deli roast beef. But I think the red peppers and brie is enough, and I love as much roast beef as I can get. So then I think then you can trust me that it's enough. All right, so that's what we got for recipes. They are all up on the WCCO Radio website. They are on my personal Facebook page. You can find me at Dara.Grumdahl. If you need a, if you're one of those people who's camped out on Facebook, just find me there. You'll see the recipes. They are really good. It is good to be proud of soft cheeses. That's what I want you to do. Just put your hand to your heart and say, yes, I, I too, as a Minnesotan, can be a proud, proud of soft cheeses. I don't know. Why not? Why not, my friends? You can be, you can be proud of your sports teams. You can be proud of these miracles of food in our community. All right, we're going to come back. We're going to have some time for an Ask Me Anything. You got a question, text. Text me, 651-989-9226. All right, Dara here. You can find me writing about food at Minneapolis-St. Paul Magazine. Check out the latest at mspmag.com. I very much uh, love my story that is up right now about Pipestone, Minnesota. I went down there. Yeah, I did encounter some people with strong opinions about ghosts. Did I see a ghost? You got to go look it up yourself. Find out. All right, I got a nice text uh, from somebody out there in listener land. Thank you for your rant about cheap food. Gave me a lot to think about. 
I would rather pay six bucks for a loaf of bread that feeds my body and soul than seven dollars for a pint that'll run through me in two hours. My friend, I'm with you. I am with you completely. And we need to think about all these things. I was just doing a lot of research on wine because I'm always doing a lot of research on wine. We have to change the water use of wine in California. We cannot just throw, you cannot drain the Colorado River so that we can have cheap Chardonnay. There's all kinds of wine that can grow without irrigation that we just need to wholesale just stop. We need to stop growing wine that needs irrigation all summer in California. It just, there's no reason to do it. It is wasteful. It is wasteful of a river. Who would have thought you could waste a river? But you, we can today. We're too, we're too smart. We're too smart for our own good. We can figure out how to just throw a whole river in the garbage. Not, not a good idea. All right. I got a question um, about nitrates in meat. Do the red table meats have nitrates in them? Well, I think so. Nitrate is a thing that prevents bacteria. So almost all preserved meats have them. Um, you know, I'm not sure that uh, that we're really clear about the, you know, I think the question has within it implied that there's a health problem to eating nitrates, and I'm not sure that that's clear. I'm not sure the science on that is that clear right now. I got another question from people wondering about cheese, kind of where we are now. What's the medical, you know, aren't we supposed to avoid cheese? No, that that science is done. Um, we just had some really bad, and there's a controversial, a lot of people say it was politically motivated, not politics like Republican Democrat, but people trying to advance their own careers and making bad science to kind of shove them ahead of their of the pack, um, science about saturated fats. So at this point, people are saying that science is saying eating cheese and dairy reduces death by heart disease. You say, no, that's the opposite of what people said. No, no, it's eating a diet rich in cheese and dairy uh, reduces population death by heart disease. And people don't know exactly why. Some people think it's a marker that you're just eating real food, that that's the French paradox. The French paradox, they have this great you know, lack of, of heart disease. Not too many negatives in that, but they're not sick as much as we are, but they eat more cheese. That was the great French paradox, and people think now, well, that's because they eat vegetables, they ride their bikes, they have this uh, social safety net, they're just living, you know, they just have a good, they have a diet rich in many things, and this is what, and cheese is one of the many things. So we're still trying to figure that out, but no, we no longer think that cheese and dairy are, are bad for you, and the nitrate thing is a bit sketchy. All right, I've got totally different question my sister is threatening to make rhubarb martinis, and what should I do? <laughs> I like that question. Um, I think you should just get all in. You should go have some rhubarb martinis. I don't know about the rhubarb gin thing, but you make rhubarb syrup. You take your rhubarb. You cook it up with some sugar in a pot. You end up with this bright pink syrup. That's just great. I don't care what she does with it. I think you should not. I think the implication is that you're going to run from the house, but you should not embrace life. Your sister is. You go there with her. Embrace drinking from the garden. It's a it's a trend. <laughs> okay, so that's what we've got. Mm, next week, what are we doing? We're getting ready for the state fair, if you can believe it. 
Are you going to try both the cotton candy beers or no? I don't know. I think I have to try them, but I don't know that I'm going to drink the whole thing. And I don't have to be happy about it. I think we'll do a whole beer show from the fair and kind of just get it all out. Let's just say what we're going to do in this state of ours. Are we going to just be putting cotton candy in all the beers? All right. I don't know. Maybe we will. Maybe that's where the future is. But till next week, you know, I hope that your your cotton candy stays fluffy and your your steaks are not fluffy whatsoever. And I will meet you back here on Off the Menu. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.